All right. Well, how many of you guys know that you can read something a million times in Scripture, and sometimes either we're, we're just thick-headed or we just see something new? I think it's so cool how God keeps revealing himself over and over, even in the same passages that we've read before. It's like, here's this brand new thing. And so uh, as we were in prayer time, like Pastor Paul said, as a staff, um, the Scripture for that day out of the one-year Bible, we started reading the one-year Bible as a worship team uh, when Pastor Paul was worship leader, and I was in the drum booth. I started in the drum booth, which I think is at least as good as the sound booth. But no, when I was in the drum booth and playing drums um, as a teenager, I started reading a one-year Bible, and it's one of the best things that um, I ever had the opportunity to start doing. I'm so thankful that we started doing it as a team, and we're all still doing it now. Um, but I've read this scripture at least seven, eight, nine times, um, and it hit me differently this time just because of where we're at as a church, and I was thinking about sort of the context that we're in as Church on the Hill. We've been going through the perfect fit. We're going through Connected. Um, and then now Pastor Paul has started this series, which is amazing, uh, on Wednesdays about the Holy Spirit and how that all works together. Those are not three separate things. They're not three completely diametrically opposed things. Those all work together so well. And the scripture just hit me upside the head. Um, and it's from 2 Corinthians, it's chapter 10. And this whole uh, chapter, I encourage you to go back and read it. It's got some amazing hallmark verses, those verses that you memorized as a kid and, um, and stuff like that. But the last part of the chapter is kind of what, what hit me. It's 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to uh, start in verse 13. If you want to flip your Bible there, get out your iPhones or your, your Bibles and flip there. And Mikey's going to put it on the screen for us. Thank you, Mikey. Um, and I'm going to give you some background if you're still flipping there. Um, in this passage, the Apostle Paul had been getting some grief from people in the church, other pastors, basically. He was getting grief about, you know, how he was a terrible speaker. They were just ripping him. I, I mean, I know it's hard to believe that anybody within the church would ever rip anybody else within the church. I know that never happens ever. But that's what was happening. These other pastors were telling the Apostle Paul, basically, you got all kinds of guts when you're writing us letters, but when you show up here, you don't have any backbone. And, oh, by the way, you're a terrible speaker like they they said that if you go back and some of the translations are pretty funny and it was it literally says he was a terrible orator he was a terrible speaker that's what these guys were saying and they probably told him his mama was ugly too or something I, you know, it, was, it was bad they were just ripping him a new one it was it was awful and so Paul goes and defends himself very poignantly very calmly he's defending himself and he's basically at the end of this scripture saying you know what guys I don't have to defend myself because of what you say. And I don't have to make excuses for what authority I've been given because God has given me that authority. And I'm not going to make apologies for it. So that's, that's sort of the context of what's happening here. Um, he's, he's going on this big diatribe, this big spiel to the Corinthian church and these guys that are criticizing. Everybody cool with that? Say okay. Okay, awesome. Verse 13, but we will not boast beyond limits but will boast only with regard to the area of influence that God assigned us. Everybody say God assigned. God assigned us to reach even you. For This is New King James. I'm sorry, Mikey. New King James. Um, for we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, catch this, 
our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So as, as their faith increases, the Apostle Paul and his team's area of influence is going to be enlarged. So that we may preach the gospel in the lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another, another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, catch this, but the one whom the Lord commends. Everybody says, everybody say the Lord. The Lord commends. That's, who, that's what counts. The one that the Lord commends. And so as I read this scripture, there's so much in here. And I just started kind of unpacking it and chewing on it and praying about it as we're walking around. And um, it just fits so perfectly with where we're at. Um, so let's start to kind of let's start to kind of see how that works for us here at Church on the Hill. Starting in verse 15. It says, as your faith increases, our area of influence among you is greatly increased. Increase is a is a real thing in the scriptures. Um, numerical increase is a real thing in the scriptures. Growth, numerically, is not the devil. Numerical growth is a biblical thing. Spiritual depth and growth is a real thing. And so often, we get on these opposite ends of the spectrum and we say, well, you gotta have completely have depth or you gotta completely uh, have growth in the Bible, I see both. I don't know about you guys, but I see numerical growth because of growth in spiritual depth. I was having a conversation with one, someone sometime, and we were in a ministry that was growing like gangbusters and like just going crazy. And the person looked at me and they said, Zach, why, why won't you just disciple uh, our people? And why do we have to be so big? And my response to that was the problem with discipleship is that disciples go out and make disciples and you're gonna grow numerically. So one breeds the other. So I wanna I want point that out, that as we are getting equipped every single Wednesday night with this perfect fit stuff, and as now we're learning where the real power comes from, it's not just our gifts, it's the Holy Spirit causing our gifts to just blossom, that makes a huge difference. That's where we really make an impact. So discipleship creates disciples. The Apostle Paul was saying, I want to see you guys explode. I want to see you guys take off and minister on a level that we could never minister at. You know, real ministry in the church doesn't happen from up here. This is a very small part. The, the platform ministry is a small part of what happens in a body of believers. You guys are the ones really charged and really able to go out and make a difference. There's a few of us and there's a bunch of you. We can equip you and our job is to um, equip you effectively and to give you the tools and the ammo that you need so that you can go out and set the world on fire. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. He's like, I don't want to brag about myself. I want to brag about what God is doing in you so that I can move on and minister somewhere else. Do you guys see what he's saying there? It's the same thing that's going on right here. When you guys discover your God-given gifts, and then the Holy Spirit comes behind and says, let me, let me help you, let me guide you, watch out. It's going to be awesome. And so you can see why I was getting so excited when I was reading this scripture here. Um, also, what you say about yourself means nothing in God's world. It's what God says about you that really makes the difference. And that can go both ways. That can be good or bad. Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. I've been there before. You know, I've, I've been in places before where I have gotten to a point and I didn't really realize it where I thought, you know, if I'm not here God can't minister on this level. And let me just tell you, that is the most dangerous spot that you could possibly be in. And I want to encourage you to watch out for that. 
We can be on the other end of the spectrum, too, where we're like, man, we're never good enough, and you can be in poor, pitiful me stage and miss the fact that God has given you authority. He's given you authority. He's given you gifts. He didn't give you those gifts for you, and so they're not in vain. He gave you those gifts to edify the body and to minister. So they're good gifts, and they're of value. So what you say about yourself means nothing in God's world. It's what God says about you that makes the difference. Um, I hope that we get to a point here at Church on the Hill where our work extends so much farther than we can ever imagine to the point where nobody knows it originated here. I'm, I'm great with that. I don't know about you guys. I'm great with that, that our sphere of influence is so big that nobody really knows where it started, but they know Jesus got involved in a big, big way in their life. That's what we're after. We're not after a church on the hill's name being spread. We're after the gospel being spread and Jesus Christ's renown and his fame and his glory being spread in the earth. That's what we're about here. That's the vision of our pastor. That's what we pray about. We pray, Lord, you have your glory. It's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. Again, these gifts aren't for us. They're for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Verse 18 made a, a huge impact on me, and I'm going to kind of camp out right here. This is, this is the biggest part of, of what made a difference. And um, I just want to tell you the truth from the word right now. It says, for it is not the one who commends himself who's approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. I want to tell you guys that ultimately what you term as success is not real success. What God terms as success is real success. And that goes in your marriage, that goes in your home life, it goes in your school, it goes in your work, it goes in your, your career, whatever. As you climb the corporate ladder, success in real life is what God defines as success. It's not what I think success is because my view gets skewed sometimes. And guess what we need to keep us on track to know where real success is? The Holy Spirit. How cool is that? You, th you think something's kind of brewing here? You think the Lord's kind of putting some stuff together? The apostle Paul knew all these guys that were criticizing him, it didn't matter what they had to say about him. It didn't matter what their opinion was or how great of a speaker they thought he was or how terrible of a, uh, you know, just a little pansy they thought he was. They were calling him short and all kinds of stuff. Didn't, he knew it didn't matter. His gripe was not with them. His gripe was, was not uh, temporal things, but it was spiritual things. His gaze was set higher than that stuff. And so I want us to be encouraged by his example. The Apostle Paul knew the position that God placed him in was ordained and appointed specifically for him. Because the Spirit of God structured every move in his life, not the flesh. If you were to go back through the New Testament and just look at how many times the apostle paul said walk in the spirit don't walk in the flesh walk in the spirit don't walk in the flesh hey don't walk in the flesh walk in the spirit hey your flesh is going to want to rise up but the spirit has got to take over how many times does this guy say that do you think you think this is really important to him yes it's a big deal he says it over and over and over and sometimes we just don't pick up on it but that's the whole reason why the Apostle Paul was able to make the impact that he was able to make is because he realized what people say about me doesn't matter. God has given me these gifts and then his Holy Spirit has come behind and empowered me to use these gifts and that's why I'm able to stand firm and know who I am. If we forget that God gave us our gifts and we forget to rely on the Holy Spirit, we're gonna be in bad shape and we're gonna feel like a failure all the time. And I got news for you, none of you guys sitting in here are failures. None of you are failures. None of you 
have messed up so badly that the Lord can't use you. God used broken, messed up people all the time in his word. This whole thing the Apostle Paul was discussing, uh, it reminds me so much of probably my favorite character in the Bible, David. And David is somebody that probably most of you guys know a whole lot about. You may not have ever heard of David, but David was a super uh, important figure in the Bible, and I would encourage you, if you don't know a lot about him, to go back and read and research. Um, but just like the Apostle Paul, David didn't look like much physically. And, and he didn't really have the pedigree he was supposed to have according to what everybody else thought. And it made me think, this scripture made me go back to the place where it was like, you know, thinking about who God places authority in, who God um, ordains, who God places over people. And the story of David is out hanging out with the sheep and a prophet comes to Jesse's house, Jesse's David's dad, and he's looking to anoint the next king after Saul. And so all of David's brothers line up and Samuel's like, no, 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 no. Some, something's not right. No, it's none of these guys. And then he says, do you have another son? Do you, do you have, is there somebody else? Because something is not right. I'm not, I don't have the warm fuzzies about any of these guys. And so Jesse's like, yeah, um, the one that's out tending the sheep. He doesn't even call him by name. I want to read the passage to you. It's, it's 1 Samuel 16. It says, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Little side note here, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, don't move from that spot until you get direction. Side note, that's free. That's free. Don't move from that spot until you know where to go. Are all the young men here? Samuel had a problem. He was like, something's not right. And God uh, told him, uh, hang out right here. And so Jesse called for David. Here comes David. He's coming to, to this big ceremony. And I want to point out a few things. A few things. Number one, the fact that Jesse didn't call David by name. He called him the youngest. And it shows how lowly regarded David was, even with his dad, even with his father. Um, David was of low regard. And it wasn't like David was this terrible kid or that he had messed up his whole life or that he was some kind of redheaded stepchild or anything like that. He was just the youngest. That's just his position. How many of you guys have ever felt behind the eight ball just because of your position in life? Just because of what you were born into, not because of anything that you created, but you're behind the eight ball. People don't see you as a leader. People don't see you as someone who can make an impact just because of where you are, chronologically even. And he was only called to this meeting, to this ceremony, because Samuel requested. Otherwise, his dad would have let him be out with the sheep the whole time. And by the way, being out with the sheep is not like some prestigious thing to do. It's not a fun thing to do. It was something that servants did. Like, low people on the totem pole are out watching sheep here and baa all day long. That's what low people on the totem pole do. So if you're used to hearing baa all day long, it's okay. God may still have a plan for you. Are you with me? God may still have something for you, even if you're doing the lowest of the lowest thing in the church or at your job or whatever. Hey, guess what? There might be a plan in that somewhere. So David's keeping sheep, um, and he's called for this big, great anointing ceremony. Uh, and so here he walks up, and I can just see his face thinking about his reaction, like, who didn't invite me to the party? 
this is awkward. You know, all my brothers are here staring at me. I'm sure they weren't like smiling at him. They're probably wondering what in the world is going on. And here comes little David and all of them, you know, all of them are sizing him up. You guys have been in spots in your life where people have sized you up before they knew anything about you. And before they knew the anointing that was on your life, they've sized you up. And sometimes you've let them and sometimes I've let them size me up and I've believed it. But it's pretty cool what happens here. In verses 12 and 13, David is chosen and anointed. This is so neat. It goes right into what Pastor Paul is teaching us. Um, said, so he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And I want to point out some things from this scripture. It says that David had a pleasant appearance, but he didn't look like Saul. David didn't look like the king before him. Um, Saul looked like a leader. He looked like a king. When people saw him, it was uh, an authoritative thing. They recognized him as king. When people saw David at this moment, it would have been nothing like looking at Saul. And so, again, people would have made assumptions about him. David, did, David looked nice, but you didn't look at him and say, that's a born leader. That's a born leader right there. They said, that's a nice looking boy. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he is the one. By all outward appearances, David's seven brothers seemed to be way better leadership material than he was. They seemed better equipped, more educated, more ready to be king than he was. Doesn't matter. It's not what God wanted. David was a shepherd. There were a lot of shepherds. David was good looking. So were a lot of young men. David was young, but there are plenty of young men God could have chosen. God described what made David special in 1 Samuel 13, 14 when he said, he is a man after my own heart. And the Lord commanded him to be commander over his people. What made David the one? What made David able was that he was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't David's ability. So I wanna point back and say, all these gifts that you found out about yourself, they're not irrelevant, but that's not what makes you. It's the Holy Spirit coming behind you and anointing being placed on you and that authority being given to you to operate in those gifts that really sets the world on fire and makes an impact. That's the key. That's the key. God's choice of David shows that we don't have to quit our job and enter into full-time ministry and, and just you know, get our, our prayer mats out all day to be people after God's own heart. We don't have to be famous or prominent or have some kind of crazy pedigree. That's, that's not what we have to have. We don't have to be respected or even liked by others to be people after God's own heart. David was a shepherd and he was the youngest. Everything that possibly could have been stacked against David was stacked against him. We don't need status or influence or power or the respect or approval of men or great responsibilities to be people after God's own heart. Check this out. It said, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Again, I see this so similar to Pastor Paul, or uh, Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul's uh, scripture that we read earlier about all these guys standing around and saying, who is this guy? And who died and made him king? And why is he telling us how to live like Christ? Well, he's a terrible speaker and he's short and bald and weird. It's the same deal. Everyone else probably thought that Samuel just honored David for some unknown reason. 
probably no one dared to even think it was divine royal anointing. But God knew because he had worked in David's heart for a long time. And there's a lot of you guys out there who have been diligent in prayer and you've been diligent in seeking the Lord. You've been seeking his face like crazy. And he's got a plan for you and you haven't seen it yet. But it's there. And it's gonna be unleashed in you if you'll wait and let the Holy Spirit do what he's doing. Let him do his work in you to enact your gifts. It's gonna happen. God is faithful and he will do it. That's what his word says. He will do it. In David's life, he did it. In the Apostle Paul's life, he did it. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That's what the Word said. And I want to point something out here. This anointing ceremony that took place where the oil was poured over David's head and this big thing was made, that right there was just a picture of what had already happened in David's heart. It was just a picture of who he already was. God had already chosen David from the beginning of time to do what he was gonna do. And he had been anointed. God anointed David before that ceremony took place. You don't have to have a big ceremony and a big thing happen for God to set your world on fire and for, for him to reveal his calling to you. Trust and be diligent in what God has called you to do on a daily basis, just like David did. When he was out in the field, what was David doing? He was seeking the Lord with all his heart. God knew David to be a man after his own heart, not in this 10-minute time period, but for his whole life while he was out doing the lowest of jobs. I want to be in a place like David where God looks at me and says, hey, you're doing all this stuff and you're being faithful to me, and guess what? I'm going to give you some authority over here to go make an impact. That's what I want. I want to be diligent and faithful with what God has given me right now so that later on the Lord's able to use me in a huge way. Amen? You want that? How many of you want to be used by God in a huge way? Amen? Yeah. Have you ever felt unqualified? You ever felt inadequate? You ever felt like a peon? Have you ever second guessed that God could use you because of fill in the blank? Guess what? Get ready. You're in great company. You're in great company. The lineage of Jesus went through this David guy. And the Apostle Paul made kind of a big impact on the entire world as we know it today. God was able to speak through the Apostle Paul. And here we are being encouraged in 2014 by the words that he penned through the power of the Holy Spirit. Get ready, you're in great company. God chooses unlikely people to do his work so that all know the work is God's work. Like the Apostle Paul said, we don't boast in our own Stuff, but we boast because God has done something. You may not be intellectual or well thought of in your family circle. You may be despised by others for your faith in Christ. Perhaps you had only a little share in the love of your parents as David did. But remember that those who are rejected of men often become the beloved of the Lord. You see it time and time again in scripture. People that were rejected by men are accepted by the Lord and God uses them in a big way. God hasn't changed. His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the game changer for us. That's the game changer. All these gifts that God has given us linked up with the Holy Spirit, that's when the game changes. That's when stuff gets real. It's pretty awesome. It was the game changer for so many people in scriptures. It's still the same today. Your ability to take your God-given gifts and operate in spiritual things is the key. Your area of influence 
on your own or in the flesh is limited. But your area of influence when empowered by the Holy Spirit is limitless. It's limitless. What God can do in you is limitless if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the deal. God has given you authority, just like he gave the Apostle Paul authority to speak in the manner that he did in 2 Corinthians 10, and just like he gave David authority when he didn't look like he was equipped at all, he gives you authority and he gives me authority as well. It's the same thing. He's given you the authority to make an impact here and now. So what I wanna encourage you to do is this. Just like me sitting in prayer with a staff on Monday and walking around here and the Lord hit me between the eyes with a scripture that I've read however many times, I wanna encourage you, spend time in the word. Not because Pastor Paul gets up here and bugs you or not because we're a church and we have to say, everybody go read your Bibles. That's not the deal. Do it because it will change your life. It will change your, I'm telling you, it will change your life. I don't care if you've read the word your whole life. Keep reading the word because God's gonna keep revealing himself. It tells who he is every day. We get to read about it. I wanna encourage you, read the word. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Be chewing on these gifts that you know you now have and these strengths that you know you now have and operate in them. Operate in them through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have ever listened, listen the next few weeks as Pastor Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit works with equipping us to do what God has called us to do. Listen to this. It will change your life. It will change your family's life. To think that we can't make the same impact the Apostle Paul made is a misnomer. It's crazy because we serve the same God and the same Spirit lives in us. Amen? Amen. Pastor Paul. Wasn't that awesome? Good job. No. <laughs> well, you're not going to have to hear two sermons. Everybody say amen. But I do want to tie this thing, I do want to tie a big ribbon around this real quick before we go. You may have come tonight wanting to hear about the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna, we're going to do one little action. We're going we're gonna to act, do an action thing. But Mikey, keep 2 Corinthians 10 handy. In fact, put it back up there for me. As, as Zach was speaking, it just was uh, coming alive in my heart again about this circle of influence. You have a circle of influence. And what the Lord started saying to me is, why do I give you authority? Uh, my dad is a big one on teaching on authority. John Bevere has a great teaching on the authority of the believer, and he has read it and has spoken so highly of that. And my mom and dad really taught me about authority, about a child to a parent, about a, a person to God, about us to Satan, about us to the challenges that we face and that we have authority. But I'd never thought about why. We've been given authority, I believe, so that when we go into our circle of influence, we influence and we win. Uh, Cindy, as I was sitting here just listening to Zach speak, I started thinking about you and the circle of influence that you had at All Good School and being able to influence those children for years and years and years. And the Holy Spirit in you equipped you to do that. Now you've been placed in a, in a spot of influencing administrators. Even though you're kind of working your way up, even though you may not be the top person, you have a circle of influence that influences. 
and it is, it's like a cancer works in the negative, the, the power of God works in the positive. We, we get equipped, we find out who we are. It was such a bizarre thing, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I was watching Jimmy Fallon, a rerun of Jimmy Fallon last night, and Steve Harvey was on. I don't know if you know who Steve Harvey is, he's an African American, I would guess he's 60, 65 years old, um, comedian, does the family feud now. Anyway, he's written a book called Act Like Success, Think Like a Success, and he was interviewed over that book, and he said, it is, I have been in every realm of, of life. I've lived on the streets. I've been homeless. I've been broke. I've had nothing, and I've worked my way up many times and, and kind of come full circle. He said, but it is your God-given gift that gets you out of the hole that you're in. And I'm like, what did he just say? Zach had already told me. He said, wait till you hear this interview. And he came back to it. If I had known what my God-given gift, he said, people die with their God-given gift in a box that had never been opened. A parachute on their back jumps out of a plane and hits the ground and they never open their parachute. And we have found out what our gift is. Now, the key to that gift, the key to the gift is not you. It's not the gift. It's the Holy Spirit. So, real quick, um, Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 49, I promise you this is, this is going to be fast. Do you have it? And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father. Now, do you remember from Acts, he said, I want, he said, Jesus is ending his ministry, and he said, okay, you've gotten everything. You've gotten saved, you've gotten water baptized, you are following me. You know the way to do ministry, you know how I operate, you know what to do, but that's not enough. I'm about to leave, and I want you to go up to this spot right here and wait. Jesus said, even though you've been water baptized and you have been saved, I, and I have, this is Jesus speaking, I've already gone to the cross and paid for your sins. It's been done. Now, there's one more thing that I need to leave so that prophecy can be fulfilled, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, but I have to leave. Because the Spirit is coming and the Spirit is me. It's one just like me that needs to be poured out on you. He didn't say it that way. He just said, I want you to go up here and wait for the promise of the Father. Then we see in Luke 24 right here, why? He answers the why. I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So many times we get saved and we get ready, we were just on fire and we get out here running and we just make a big fat mess. We need the Holy Spirit. We have been given authority, but let me tell you, authority can get messed up. Authority placed with the leading of the Holy Spirit cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. You are, and, and again, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, this is the role of the church, is to get equipped and go take over the earth. It is not to hold it in the church. It is to get equipped to go out and do the work of the Lord. We would hope the work of the Lord has already been done in here. Now we've got to go out into the world. What did Jesus say before he left? Go! I've given you everything you need, now go! 
Come back in the church, get equipped, get fired up, find out what's wrong with one another, lay hands on the sick, let's get everybody healed up because you have work to do out there. So, Luke chapter 11, we're not even going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. We're, uh, that's okay, we, uh, you don't have, we don't have to talk about it. This, this is the part that we have to do. Luke 11. You got your Bibles? Get your Bibles open. We're, uh, Mike, you just put the chapter up there. I've got to figure out which verse it is. We'll just start with verse 9. So I say to you, ask. Everybody say ask. And it will be given to you. Everybody say seek. And you will find. Knock. And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it'll be opened. I just called my, part, my, my old guy this week because Titans are coming up and there's only, usually only one non-Sunday Titans game. So I always try to ask. But if I don't, there's something funny about that. If I don't ask for the tickets, they don't give them to me. They don't remember, oh, Paul needs those tickets. Now, if you don't know, I worked at an oil old, an old change place forever and, and I'm a part of that and they get tickets. So I remember, ooh, I need to ask. The Lord says, ooh. You need to ask. What is it that you need? Ask me. Ask and you will receive. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If then, being evil, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, I want to encourage you. Receiving the Holy Spirit, again, is a separate thing. We've been studying that again. So I just want you to take my word for it. I will give you the word the next few weeks to show you this. But we don't have to go to the upper room and wait that day is over. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. We now see that our only requirement is to ask. Now, I can have you, I can just say, hey, everybody, let's say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me right now. And you could say it. But we have to ask by faith. We have to ask in belief that the Lord will do what he says he will do. You can pray a prayer, you can walk an aisle, we can lay hands on you and nothing happen. The key is faith. God moves by faith. God will fill you with his Holy Spirit by faith. God saves us by faith. So, do you see, all we need to do is ask. So can we do that? You guys stand up with me, and this is going to be my closing prayer. I'm going to pray a little bit, and then I'm going to ask you just to pray something with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I just right now, Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to come and just to, just to fill this place, just like you did with Peter when he was preaching. Lord, that, that I, I know it's your desire to engulf this church with your Spirit. Come down, Holy Spirit. Come down, Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, we're just going to obey your word, and we're just going to ask for your Holy Spirit right now. I'm just going to say, Holy Spirit, um, I ask you to fill me.
And I just want to ask you, just pray that with me just right now. Here, we'll just do it together. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me. Now, Lord, I believe your word. Lord, I am in your word daily. And Lord, all it says that it takes is just a mustard seed of faith. And Lord, I believe that I have it. Now, I believe according to your word, you have filled me with your Holy Spirit. Now, in Jesus' name, lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name, lead church on the hill and guide us into all truth. And Lord, equip us and give us the authority. You have given us the authority. Now, Lord, give us it. Now, empower us to influence our circle of influence, to overtake our sphere of influence, and Lord, to win our city for you. Thank you, Lord. Give us courage. Give us power. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Go forth in power. Change this city. Y'all have a great week. God bless you.